What are you anticipating seeing, you know, amongst the New Zealand teams, given you've, you've given all that about the All Blacks? Oh, just so many good young players, mate. I don't know how you do it there. Oh, I do, because you've got three of the biggest uh, academies in the world. Fiji, Samara and Tonga. They're not bad. Oh, we were waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Drop Kickoff podcast. I'm your host, uh, Big Nick, and I'm also joined, as always, by little Nick Vasiliev and humongous Nathan Williamson. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about the Wallaby squad. Of course, it's just come out and kind of on a recap Super Rugby. To be honest, me and Nathan agree. It's kind of what what was that? Got about that, but let, we'll talk about that and talk about Wallaroos. Under twenties, let's kick it off. Let's talk about this Wallaby squad right here, right now. And Nick, you like being asked questions, so I'm going to ask you first. All right, you ready? Um, I'm ready. I'm ready, gargantuan Nick. I, I don't know why we've we've we were all suddenly hit with with sizes now, but you know, just the subtle subtle outring you just copied. Yeah, on. and the increasing homoeroticism of this podcast. Yeah, um, hit me, Dyson Nick. Sphere, Nick. Hit me. The- <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um. Yeah, sorry. Uh, who's your first? Who's the first name in this squad that uh, you saw is missing? Well, Noel Alessio for one. That was a big. So, I, you know, as much as I did think that, yeah, of course, Carter has absolutely outperformed him and outdone him. Um, I didn't think that he had had been outdone by Ben Donaldson. Um, that was a huge surprise to me. I think, though, Ben has shown himself to be very capable at international level, and I mean that game against Wales was a big, had a big factor, uh, played a big factor in in the selection. But I'd also argue that that the reason why the Wallabies won that that game in the last twenty minutes is because Noah came on, and I think Noah has, has proven to have a bit more record at international level than Ben. So that is the was the big initial. Standout. Maybe it's just my Brumby's my Brumby's bias coming in, but then again, when you think about uh, the players at home in the fly half position, the two that really stand out are Carter Gordon, who I'm glad first and foremost is there, and Noel Alessio. Uh, Nathan, let's go with you. Who's your big missed opportunity? Um, Firstly, I I absolutely agree with Nick. Like, I wasn't expecting him to make the Wallaby squad, to be honest, but the fact that he's not even in the train-on squad is very surprising. Um, As for me, I'm going to keep it with um, I'll keep it with the Brumbies theme. Um, Lachlan Monaghan. See, that was a name when I was kind of going through my options, going through the teams. I'm thinking, all right, who's playing hooker? Well, Dave Parecki's one that's probably bolted on. and I had had Noss Longo as my second best hooker. I I thought he was probably going to be when I'm picking a 23, he would going to be the reserve hooker. So, seeing him miss out completely was a surprise. I think also throw in Bernard Foley as well. Like, I know, as Nick's already touched on that 10 situation, but for him to be sort of around training and to be brought back into the fold and then all of a sudden not picked in the Wallabies, yeah, that that took me a bit by surprise. All right, enough of who's out. Who's in? Who's, who's in? Nick, you mentioned Carter Gordon. Who's in? Who should be in? Who are you happy to see in? Well, I'm glad Dylan Peach is in. I think he's been looking fantastic for quite a while and has been, it's good to see him uh, included in that team. Um, and as much as people again have, have had a go, have, you know, been critical of this particular player, I'm actually also happy that Vunavalu has made it because I think in the latter half of the season, he really started to 
push himself a little bit. Ryan Lonigan. Um, Ryan Lonigan, I'm super happy to see him there because I reckon just in terms of uh him as a leader, as a manager, um, he has really shown himself to uh be someone who can really step into that Nick White general shoes uh over at the Brumbies. So I'm really happy to to see him in there as well. Probably the only other the other one that really sticks out as well is uh I know that we we often talk about the the contingent from folks um overseas, but great to see Will Skelton in there. I think um it's it's gonna be interesting to talk about I think there was there was a conversation um that happened uh on on Stan Sport recently talking about what the actual makeup of the line out for the Wallabies looks like um, because we're coming up against teams that have got as many as three or four or five good jumpers, which really adds a lot of versatility to the line out. If you pick someone like a big, big bopper in the second row, like Will Skelton, who can't jump, there's questions that you you ask about that. And I think that's a, it's a fair question, but at the same time, I think uh, it's incredibly beneficial to see him in there. And I think, uh, you know, picking and choosing depending on the game that he plays, uh, it will be much, you'll, you'll be much better off for it. So a lot to like. I'll throw in Tom Hooper as well. And, and then I'll stop because I know that I'll just go, start going through the whole squad. It's actually a pretty decent squad all up. Um, actually that was, we'll start, start there, um, with Skelton. So, uh, Skelton and Arnold is weird lock pairing. Um, it appears he's having a, Quick look see, you know, um they're the only two specialist locks that are in there. Um and of course oh, Neville yeah. is someone who didn't get picked. Nick Fr- Nick Frost is in there as well. Oh, is he? Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, you've you've put this in alphabetical order, Nathan, in this squad list. Um but well, yeah, yeah it's, you, it's, it's he's F. He's like he's right at the top. You you fourth person. Just Nick put Frost. it where they play, you know? Oh. Answers on the back for postcard. Should you put squad lists uh alphabetically <laughs> or where they play so you can figure out who's where? Dude, um, you should just well, know where people play. Come on, man. <laughs> and also, oh, man, I sorry, don't know. It's just too many. It's just uh, too much work. Can I say you can only? We've got three utility players now. So where do they go? <laughs> anyway, anyway, utilities, right? That's, that's um, the point. Yeah. Um. So yeah, let's talk about locks. Uh, Skelton. Uh, he's like the he's, you know, been been talked about a lot, getting hyped up a lot. Not really sure whether he's worth it. Just like Basball. Nathan, what's your feelings? It's one of the. It's a fascinating discussion whenever you talk about Will Skelton, and it, I think it's one of the clearest ways you can tell if you're talking to a rugby fan from uh, the northern or some, southern hemisphere. So if you talk to any Australian, they're like, "Yeah, like he's good, but I could take or leave him." Whilst you talk to anyone from you know England or French, you, he may well be like John Eels. They they love him. They think, you know, they've seen what he's done for Larachelle and they think he is one of the greatest locks in the 21st century. They hold him yeah. for that that high regard. And it's one of those things. It's just never really translated for the Wallabies. So, you know, yeah. with a new coaching style of Eddie Jones, one that's probably going to be a bit more power-based, so, you know, suiting those type of guys, I think this could really be the kind of making of Wills Golden as a Wallaby. He really seems to really kind of make his mark on this team. Is that the question yeah. we ask them? Is that the, like, do we think then? Because I, I feel like we've had this conversation before, and that is that that often La Rochelle leans the way that they play actually leans into Skelton's natural skill set, and they build a lot of the, of the of some of the game structure around him, and that has often been where his undoing has been at Wallaby level. 
Um, which is why I think it's probably the reason why we've often commented and said that he sometimes felt like a passenger, but maybe because he's probably, you know, not used to the systems that, that love like somewhere like La Rochelle has where they kind of really focus in on that. Do you reckon that is the key thing that unlocks Will Skelton the Wallaby? Like, and what, if so, what does Eddie need to do to get him to get Will going full La Rochelle? Yeah. He's a bit like, um, Cameron Green, isn't he? Um, everyone just says he's big. Well, Cameron Green, Cameron Green has shown he can he can perform at, <laughs> at international level, and so is Will Skelton in passes, but not enough considering the talent he actually has. Like he has, he can show more. All right, so Nathan, the rats fair love, yeah. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you, um, but I'm going to throw this at you. Uh, so Nick mentioned Skelton playing, you know, big playing the power game. You Lacey, to go back to Nick talking about Lonigan. Um, you Lacey has uh, also been picked. Power game. Well, that's the kind of the that's kind of the marks of this team. When you look at it, as, yeah, Ulysses as a great example of that. Even someone like a Zane Nongor coming in as a prop, it's always it seems like it's just kind of geared to. I think Eddie, Eddie made reference to that play, um, speaking on the New Zealand TV show that they need a kind of player game style and start kind of reflecting the, the makeup of this team, and you know. You look at big runner stuff, even someone like a Vunavalu, so, you know, a bigger bodied winger coming in as well. Um, like I think that that's kind of just that's probably what's going to be used by Jones to really try and get the best out of his team. And yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how it goes up against your South Africans and Argentinas as your first two tests. You know, two of the bigger packs in world rugby. So it's it's one to watch. I actually just talking about Argentina. Um... Would you put money on a specific strategy to get Marcus Kramer sent off? I don't think you need to. Just I think <laughs> the strategy is kick the ball. Yeah, let him do. Let him kick off. Start the game. That's all you need to do to get him sent off. Yeah. <laughs> Practicing uh, just uh, insults in Spanish. Will he even be eligible to play? Like, wasn't he? Wasn't his ban like? for a very long period of time. So I can see Nathan's doing the numbers there, but it was like a set, six or seven game ban, wasn't it? It was a, it was a very so long carry ban. carry over to internationals? Would it carry over into the World Cup? Well, I mean, Darcy Swain's uh, ban was carried over into into internationals, I recall. From... Yeah, so it's it's a five-week ban, um, which ma- makes him... Five-week suspension will not affect his rugby World Cup, but he'll be unable to play for five weeks starting from June 21st. So... He'll miss that Australia game. Fuck! Oh, damn it! <laughs> damn it! <laughs> well, he's already been suspended. We've we've lost our we've lost our Argentinian fuse. Just... I mean, Thomas, <laughs> Thomas Lavanini still exists. Like, let's. Oh yeah, true. Because he, he he did make the he did make the nightmare fifteen. So yeah, that's still an option for us. Like, um... but anyway, so that's that's going to be our next target, and you know, it still stands. Just run out of the field. Respond to it. Five props in a thirty. For man squad, that's that's probably what you, what you expect for a World Cup. Um, and the prop makeup, when you consider, it doesn't include someone like an Angus Bell. I think he's in the rehab group. group. Yeah. No, so I think in when Eddie <laughs> I did have a double weapon. look at that rehab group, didn't I? Uh, uh, sorry. Didn't I? I'm just responding to myself. I didn't... Didn't you? Yes, you did. <laughs> I, know. I had a good look <laughs> at that, that, that rehab group, and I'm like, this is this is unusual honesty from. Well, rugby Australia. Well, yeah, no, I do, okay. or is it just mind games? 
wasn't mine yet. It's one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> well, considering, I, I still think we should be pretty happy with the prop selections, considering, like, I actually think we've, we've taken a bit of a hit in terms of prop injuries this year. Um, yeah. Tom no Robertson HJH being one. Either. Yeah. No HJH. Yeah, no HJH, uh, no Angus Bell, um, no Tom Robertson out at the force. Um, and those are all... Got props CEOs who- overseas. Yeah, CEOs overseas as well. Um, and you know, it's, so considering that, I think the, what we, what we have got is actually still pretty decent. And I mean, like that, even with all of that, how good is it having someone like Slipper and uh, Tupo, uh, as your yeah, starting? Very good. Point? Very sexy. Uh, it rouses me. Um, but Nick, sorry, just to talk about the, the loose forwards. So there's Leota, Holloway, two Hoopers, McWright. Samu and Valentini. Also, fun fact: Valentini is two years younger than Ulysses. Yes, he is. Yeah, it's wild. You forget Valentini's how Valentini's only twenty-four. How the hell is that boy twenty-four? I like. I'm. It actually doesn't shock me that he was kind of like, oh, you know, he's almost there for a couple of years because he's only twenty-four. Like, no wonder he's only starting to fulfill his potential. Anyway, and also n- another fun fact: so with Hooper in the squad as well. This is the first time that he'll actually have his gear being M. Hooper rather than just Hooper. Because you have Tom Hooper in the squad. I was going to say, which Hooper Hooper were you referring to? So there'll there'll be two Hoopers. Well, Michael Hooper. What is it with um, Michael Hooper and like having other people or like, you know, like remember how it was, how it was the Pooper? Now we've got the the two Hoopers, the Toopers. (laughs) Even even crazier. So Hooper had a son. Guess what his name is? (laughs) David. (laughs) Tom. Tom, <laughs> so, he's playing with his son. So he's literally playing with, you know, having given birth to Tom Hooper, he's now playing with Tom Hooper. So if the Rumbies right. watching this, mind your gear, mate, it might go missing. <laughs> Pop just et itself, mm. didn't it? <laughs> um, okay, so moving on. Let's returning back. I was going to say, we didn't Nate. chat loose, loose forwards. Um, yeah, we didn't. Yeah, we, we just, we just, go on. We're talking about we just Hooper. Talked about Come on, boys. We just talked about Hooper's names. Um, I mean, I say I, I think this is this is going to be a more intriguing selection. Just quickly, quickly touching it because I think you probably people want we want to you know know Harry Wilson kind of. I think oh, yeah. lends yeah. a hand that six is going to be a, six is going to be a real jumper, and instead of a, you know having trying to make Valentini and Wilson work together, um, I you know that's probably going to be a Jed Holloway, Rob Liotta. I think Rob Liotta is a surprising one as well. Someone who's played not a single minute. And I think, but I think it shows you how highly that you know they trust. You well, know, Tani Altupe. Oh, oh, we've seen how good he is. Also, yeah. that he's big. I think well, it yeah. goes to that power game. It goes to that power game as well. Yeah, uh, but you know the fact they trust him to go straight off zero zero minutes and succeed at a test level. So, I think that I think Hooper being co-captain makes that seven pretty straightforward. It'll be him, Valentini at eight. So that's six. That's just going to be interesting. Whether they go a Holloway or a Samu, someone like that. I don't think so. This squad is thirty-four, and I think there's six others. So it's like forty-six others in the rehab group. So it gets cut down to thirty-three for the rugby championship. Nathan, is that right? Yeah. Um, which is kind of redundant because people come and go anyway um, throughout the, the the rugby championship. But I don't think Holloway is going to lose his place. Um, because in terms of where things will be trimmed, will probably be in that the loose forwards, you'd say. But I don't think Holloway's going to lose his place because he was in that leadership group. 
when yeah. they caught up earlier this year. So I think he's also kind of highly rated. Maybe he's a, you know, George Bailey kind of pick. Um, maybe not the most talented, but he's a good dude and holds the squad together. Moving on. We're going back to Nathan's amazingly written article about the squad. All right, let's just go through it. The halves, uh, Nick White in. Okay, nothing to say about that, really. I don't think so. And Ryan Lonergan and Tate, that's good. Tate, Tate being a nice, nice, nice reward for a good second half of the year. Like, I finds Lilawasa kind of emerged as a bit of a bolter when he was spotted around Welby's camp, but I think Tate's the right call. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, Jake Gordon, but I mean, that's a, it's good that we have all this competition in, um, scrum half. Uh, fly halves. Um, uh, so this is a bit of a weird one. It's actually kind of hard to say, um, who's been picked at fly half because we've got Quaid and Carter, obviously, which is good for Carter Gordon to be in there, but Reese Hodge, mm. um, is also I think, around. I think Ben Donaldson, Hodges, playing. Ben Donaldson. Hodge is more yeah. of a center. Um, I think, and Donaldson is a ten fifteen hybrid. What they're calling right. a utility. So you got, I think, which, which we'll get to. I think we'll get to it in a little bit. But yeah, that's that's the Apparently, trained the entire week at fullback. So, range that way. Yeah. Also, so if we're going to bring in Donaldson, um, we could also mention uh, Josh Kemeny. Kemeny, so Kemeny's a weird one. So, um, so there's three utilities. So Kemeny is played played both flankers his entire life, but Jones thinks he can play wing. Kemeny's never played wing in his life. But it was like, okay, like I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Like for a back row, he's he's quick, so he can he can make it. Like and, you know, it's very typical Jones. Dylan Peach is the interesting one. So played entire Super Rugby on the wing, but actually grew up a back rower. In that, so there's That's a weird. New South. So yeah, so like got picked for New South Wales schoolboys as a seven, and essentially yeah, right. up until up until like the last three years has played. Like six and seven his entire life, so he's he's like a proper hybrid hybrid player that we just kind of never realised because you know sevens is such a positionless game that you just kind of just go oh you know they play all over the place and when you you quit as quick as he is you just go oh we'll just chuck you on the wing and hope for the best so be interesting to see how those guys get used. Yeah, that's wild. That's um that real Eddie Jones kind of spanner in the works, new age thinking kind of thing. Hey. Um... But look, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that utility um, in a second. We'll just finish off the backs here. Um, and then, yeah, and then we've got the rest. <laughs> so it's all very unsure. So Sanders got Fiketti and Ikatao and Parisi. Um, good to see Parisi get in. I think it was one of the only Waratahs that actually um, gave a shit this year. Um, and then on the wing, we've got Korobetti, Koro, Vunavalu, uh, Tom Wright, and Marky Mark. Thoughts? Nick, talk to me. You can, you can go. To be honest, like, I, I don't really have that many complaints um, because I think I think as much as look, looking at the other stocks and options that we have for wing, um, I do think that that's, like, all of the people who have been selected uh, have shown themselves to be incredibly capable throughout the season. Um I feel like there is a name that, it, that, that, is, that I'm probably missing somewhere along the line because that's just... The nature of, of five super rugby teams. Um, but I will say that I think that... Tolu. Of course, Tolu. I mean, like, we, we, we're not... Like, that's the obvious one. Um, but in terms of that back three, um, like, right, even though there's been lots of talk about him getting comp- competitive, I, I do see, I do think that there is 
Uh, I do think that, you know, he is still the the informed player to look at when it comes to that sort of thing. Um, no Johnny Bataille. That's the probably the one person who I think has missed out. Yeah. Rehab yeah. group. Oh, oh, is okay, he, oh yeah. he's so injured. Rehab, is he? Rehab's Angus so, Bell, Lange Gleeson, Kelly, Pataya, Philip. I wonder, actually, though, I saw this comment actually that because Karevi's injured, um, that's why Ben Donaldson's utility otherwise would be, you know, Tom Wright or something. Hmm. I don't Which know. Makes it, sense it's, to me. Karevi's a weird one. So he, he's um, rehab group. But Jones also kind of gave, not gave away, but hinted that he could still be a chance to play against South Africa. Yeah, right. So I don't know how much, I, I don't know how much of that is just Eddie playing mind games or just, but yeah, don't, don't be surprised if he plays that first test. But I think, I think Donaldson, yeah, we'll get, get onto utilities in a bit. But yeah, I think Donaldson, they legitimately see him as a 10 15 and Hodges finally being sort of nailed down the positions and in the centers. Okay, let's go, let's go through this team um, and just figure out who would we pick. I, I think it's kind of weird. I mentioned Locks before because that's kind of weird. Also, probably just on that, I just thought about it. Darcy, Swain and Neville, who were mainstays of that position last year, aren't here anymore in this squad. Maybe they'll come back later. Um, but, yes, let's go through the team. So I think probably Tupo, Parecki and... Slipper. You'd have slipper or yeah, something. Yeah, seven eights. Yeah, I, I don't. Or seven I, don't know. I, I would go. I'd go Altoa over Tupo. I think. I mean, Tupo hasn't played a game all year. Like you'd, and to throw him up against South Africa first off, that's a huge ask. I would start start Al playing for a solid 50, 60 minutes, and then Tupo off the bench with, um, who else? Mailer. Um, who else is that? The, the Matt, Matt Gibbon. Gibbon. Um, oh, Matt Gibbon. Um. The Fez, Matt, Matty Fezler, as my as my Pleasant Hooker, I I really like him. I think he's really solid. And then Tupo as an as your reserve. Cool. So uh, we'll just rotate. So uh, Nick, who do you have as your locks? This is a tough question because you'd have to balance the versatility of the the player plus also making sure you have a lot of options at uh, to lift. Frost is a big one for me. I have Frost in there. Um, I think he's. Just a just such great go for. He's got that sort of workhorse style approach to his work that uh, that like someone like Scott Fardy used to um, has, um, which is someone a player who I just think the world of. Um, and then even someone, uh, you know, and also plus he's got he's got the gas on him. He's faster than most backs, so I'd, any any chance to get that giraffe in space, I'll take it. The second option, though, is 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 difficult. It's a tough one because you've got someone like Leota who can play in uh, in loose forwards, but also in lock. Uh, but then you've also got the power of Willie Skelton, um, or, or or someone like Jed Holloway, who's shown themselves to be very consistent. I'd probably stick with some a combination of Holloway or Frost um, with Skelton either coming off the bench, and and then we're talking about first game here. Um, that wouldn't be to say that Skelton wouldn't start at some point down the line. Uh, but yeah, I would start probably do a combination of that sort. Uh, so Nathan, back row. Damn, this makes my back row awkward because my, my six was Holloway. Well, you can um, take Holloway, you can put Holloway in if you want. Like, I, I was kind of a, no, the only two that I'm set on it would be Frost and Frost. It's not set. a real team, Nathan. You can put no, Holloway okay, in we'll there okay, no, no, okay, okay, but another option we haven't even talked about is Richie Arnold, who's been apparently killing it in France. True, but could, yeah. It, 
if I'm going to go back row, then if we're playing Holloway at five, uh, Pete Sama at six. I think I'll just go full Brumbies with it. Sama at six, um, Hooper at seven, and then you put Bobby V at eight, and then off the bench, which um, Hooper? The, the Michael. You just said full Brumbies. Sorry, Brum- Brumbies six eight. Oh, that's what I meant. Like that <laughs> six eight combo they play. Oh, that's you know that's very spicy take. Um, very spicy. What I meant. Um, uh, and then I'll I'll go with then go Fraser off the bench. Oh, just add energy. Just add energy. Why not? Yeah, I'd very agree with that. Spicy. I'd go with Fraser off the bench. Okay, so I'm next. Scrum halves. This is very easy. Uh, well, scrum halves and fly White and Cooper. Yeah, and then your replacements. <laughs> yeah, who's your who's your replacements? Uh, Who do you have coming off the bench? I'd put I'd put Hodge. I think. Hodge will be um, Eddie's love child. And the reason why I do Hodge, especially against South Africans, is A, the boot, but he is such a reliable... He's a reliable player. He's really... He is really that definition. It's such a huge cliche, but he really is. Like, he he, he rarely fails you. Like, he de- definitely doesn't do any, like, Tom Wright kind of things. Uh, he's big, so Eddie will love him. And... Yeah, he's just well, you, he filled in for fly half of the rebels, and it was like great, you know. He's a bit of a thoroughbred, you know. He's not doesn't have the silky skills, but anyway. And then your your replacement nine. Oh well, there'd only be or Tate. Got to be Tate. Yeah, got to be Tate. Yeah, yeah, I Um. Okay, so Nick, you can do the centers. This is a good one. Oh, actually, you mm-hmm. mentioned it before. <laughs> yeah, I mentioned it before, but I feel like there's a. It was, we could, it's, there's one that there's plenty to discuss on it. I, I'm, I'm, and I'm going to say this one, assuming that Karevi is out and will not get any sort of chance to come back, uh, being in that rehab, being in that injury group. Um, so based on what we have, I mean, uh, no brainer, Iketau at outside. Um, just the way he's playing has just been absolutely stellar. Um, and he is, you know, the only person who's relatively come close to him is someone like Paisami, and I think Paisami's, I think he's also injured at the moment, but his his form has been a bit more inconsistent. The question of 12, though, is is a tough one because, you know, that is where I would be putting someone like Karevi, the, someone who, who can really deliver and uh, unleash someone like Ikitao, but also just be a big, big old bastard who can smash, smash straight up the middle as well, and that's, what I think, what we need. And like it's a toss up between Fichetti and Parisi for me, and that would be my answers to be who would one if one is is in the starting side, then the other one will be on the bench. Um, and maybe just because uh in terms of of probably someone who I personally have found more um more versatile, I probably would pick Fichetti. Um, but that's not a slouch on Parisi. I think it's uh, Parisi has shown himself to be just stellar in that position. Um, and this is also assuming that Hodge himself, Hodge as well is going to be on the bench uh, in some, or as, as the backup. So I probably have a Fichetti Ikitao uh, center pairing with Parisi on the bench. Uh, sounds good to me. Um, and Nathan, you outside backs. Um, I think the wingers picked themselves. I think it's um, still Marky and Marika. Um Fullback, if he wasn't injured, would be no, Andrew Callaway for me. Oh, I was about to say no Coro. I'm like, that's who Murray Cruz. Gonna say though, no Vunavalu. Yeah. Do you wouldn't you wouldn't put you wouldn't put Vunavalu in there, or do you mm. think 
Like, we wouldn't consider nah, Vinavalu over Marky uh, over Marky Mark. I would or consider Peach, or even I, Peach. Yeah, I, I think I think as much as I you know, kind of thought he fell off a little bit towards the end of Super Season, I think Marky's still the best option. So it's a, just a great Thunder and Lightning combo with Marika. So I reckon that, that that's who they'll go with. And then even though he even my fullback again, as I said, would be Callaway if he was fit. But given he's not an option, redemption time, Tom Wright. Let's go. I think he's. I think Tom Wright's still one of the better options we have. But he's just, yeah, he's just got that real dumb play in him that he needs to get rid of if he wants to, you know, be a world class fullback. But yeah, so you know yeah. what? We'll chuck against South yeah. Africa. See what happens. His decision making stat would be, you know, zero or one. Like <laughs> he comes up with, he comes up with great. great... His intelligence is low. You know, he wouldn't make a good mage. He's just chaotic. Like it's just, <laughs> just, just, just that's the best way. It's not even a, like a number. It just be chaotic. That's it. He's either the agent. Of, he's either the agent of chaos or the <laughs> recipient, the 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 cause of the chaos. That's probably the best way to describe it. And in the case of the that Brumbies that Brumbies Chief semi final, just oh, so many moments that made me shit myself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we'll talk about next bowel movements later. Um, but I guess just to cap off this squad, Nathan, give us a date. So the games are when the so Wallabies the, games. So the first, the open game is again, as tough a task as you can ask in Pretoria against the Springboks. Um, kicking off. It's um, late sun, so it's one a.m. Um, Sunday, July 9th. I could have Loftus versus Field. Oh, it's only uh, a week away. Yeah, literally about literally like four. Well, eleven one... twelve days away. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, it's probably like crept up enough. That's real then... tight turnaround, hey. Mm, absolutely. Well, it's almost almost a blessing then that the Brumbies missed the semi, so you actually have time to kind of prepare players and get some kind of system together and then because and- when you follow that six days later it's argentina and sydney and then awesome. okay, then we go full blood slow after that so a two-week break between the argentina and first blood slow and then yeah i hope there's a two-week break um i know it's all player welfare and all that stuff but you know it's underst- and a world cup it's understandable like you just yeah you well, wouldn't you rather longer time before the world cup Maybe not. Maybe so you're still like not so cold when you hit the World Cup. Anyway, cool. Thanks for that, Nathan. Process. Yeah, thanks for that, Nathan. Now, boys, what do we want to talk about next? Is it junior wallabies and wallaroos, or do you want to talk about Super Rugby? Let's talk. Let's talk uh, the stuff that's currently going. Let's talk uh, junior wallabies and wallaroos. Yeah, cool. So, Nathan, you've probably been up all night covering under twenties. Yes, I have been. Right? Um, geez, what a in- interesting first game to start with. So. Starting in Fiji, it was a very rotated team for the one that went and upset New Zealand in Wellington. Um, like your Teddy Wilson, your Jack Bowen start off the bench, and it showed early. They, like Fiji were great throughout the game, but just inconsistent to start with. Like the kicking was a bit off. There was a couple of, you know, going dead and out before. And the Fijians gave them a real scare. Like they were, they kept, kept pace and them, were only down by four. And then a red card to Marley Pierce kind of, through a massive span in the works and the Fiji were in front by eight. But yeah, credit to credit to those like and it shows the value of having like legitimate superstars coming back into this twenty program. You know, guys like you, your Bowens and Teddy Wilson's came off the bench to kind of close it out. Your Lancaster just sprinted around like five people and ran sixty metres to score. Like it was 
far from convincing, but it, a win's a win, and you know that's all you can ask from the first game. Uh, can I ask why was it a rotated team? Because um, it's a very tight turnaround when it comes to games in the on the twenties. So it's a essentially each game is a five day turnaround. Mm-hmm. So you've got the second game of the tournament coming up on Thursday against Ireland, who are like the defending Six Nations champions, probably the favourites to win the competition. And then five days later, you then go to England as well. So I think if they were, put, if you're realistically you're putting a pool together and you're like, well, I got three, I got three games in ten days. What's the one that I target to rest a couple of people? It's Fiji. That's the reality of it. Just talking about the other fixtures from that game, just pulling them up for you now. I mean, maybe Nathan, you know, I'm off by heart. Um, I'm gonna say, a couple, couple of interesting ones I can start with while you pull it up. Um, mm-hmm. England and Ireland in that group, drawing 34 all. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't really see that coming. Um, and New Zealand almost getting dusted by Wales. Yeah. So I think they just, just pulled off a one point victory. But yeah, outside of that, like teams that were expected to win kind of got the job done. Like Georgia pushed South Africa, but still got made by ten points. Like France pumped France and um, who else was it? France and Argentina. That was it. They both pumped their opponents. So like, that results that really kind of were that surprising mm-hmm. outside of the draw. But a lot, a lot of close games. I'll also add a shout out to the pre-game for England. Uh, if anyone hasn't seen it, and Nathan, I can uh, see you're smiling here. The the English team. Belted out, God save the king, um, as hard as you could have possibly belted it, um, and it looked passionate and it was amazing. And then the second verse started, and no one knew who what it was. <laughs> you go check it out. It's it like it's it's. I feel so sorry for those kids because they were like clearly just so passionate to be there. I mean, I didn't even know there was a second verse in the English uh, in the English national anthem, but uh, it is. It makes for a hilarious contrast from from it goes from. 10 to 0 in like two seconds splat, and it's outstanding. The fixtures, yeah, Nathan, you, you mentioned both of them that I was, going to bring, I was going to bring up. I think it's also kind of cool that they've got like the under 20 World Cup, but then they have like the second World Cup in the same kind of way that, or a similar way that they have at sevens, like they have four different trophies. And I think that's pretty cool. And I think they should do that for the World Cup. You know, have all the teams are qualified, then the next set of teams. And then if you win that trophy, you get to get qualified for the next World Cup or something. I reckon that'd be sick. That would be fascinating. Like, do like a proper, like, teams that miss out. It's like the USA's of the world, these type of ones, and just say automatically you get through. Maybe not qualifying, because, but like, you get through to that final qualification tournament no matter what. Like, yeah. it just books your spot, books your spot through. So, you, like, no, no, you have ample opportunities, but you know, for that, that final qualifying, no matter what happens, you're in it, or at least you host it. So you yeah, that something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think that'd be cool. Um, very cool. Uh, so, all right, let's talk Wallaroos, the Pacific Four, Women's Pacific Four, New Zealand, Australia, Canada, US, which is almost like the World Cup minus England in terms of strong uh, women's teams, is happening on Thursday. Nathan, talk to me, tell me, tell me everything. Yeah, so I got the first game of the Rally Cup as well. Um yeah, it's a new era for Warriors. You know, no Shannon Parry. So, you know, with Piper Duck start injured, um, Michaela Leonard will take the captaincy, which is going to be it's, it's well-deserved. She's been, you know, now one of the stalwarts of the team 
Um, one, one of the better players over the past couple of years. So, again, great honour for her. Um, also, those English-based players start coming back into the team. So, you know, fascinating to see Caitlin Laney start at six with Ash Masters at seven. You know, yeah, M Chancellors and Arabella McKenzie's off the bench. So, yeah, it's going to be... They've picked a real kind of... I feel like this is what we've always talked about. is that real power-based lineup, you know, to really take it to the Kiwis and who have, you know, sort of going into a new era with, you know, coach moving on, some of the sevens girls going back to that program. I think this is the, this is the time to get them. Like, it feels like that gap is really starting to close between Black Ferns and the Wallaroos. Like, they pushed them at the World Cup last year. I think led for the first time at halftime in the corresponding game last year so you know it's a real it's this is the time I reckon they could just pull an upset off I don't know if we'll put pull an upset off but I do agree that the uh I do agree that the gap is definitely closing and uh despite the like it's 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 clear that even more I was more impressed by those games before the world cup as much as that in as much as the as that as that you know like 50 minutes of the actual game before New Zealand kicked on there is a win in here. It will come. Um, and that is something I'm, you know, I'm, I reckon we should be really, really excited about it. Uh, just also this series as well. I'm just really glad to see that the Wallaroos are going to get, you know, some more games coming up. Um, you know, the fact that they've, they've got the game coming up against the USA and Canada, which I also think it's actually been a little while since they've, uh, since the Wallaroos have actually beaten either of those teams. So I think that there is a, uh, you know, there is an opportunity for us to actually start to, to get on a bit of a roll there, um, especially after that Fijian performance. Um, and then finishing it off again with, uh, with that, another women's international. So, Nathan, as out of curiosity, and this might be a part that we may have to admit from the podcast, but will the Wallaroos also go on tour this year at the end of the year? Is there talk or any sort of discussion around that to your knowledge? Well, the tour, and this is actually an interesting bit of the pack force, is that it works as qualification for the new um, WXV tournament, which will act as a like an end-of-season tour and competition. So essentially how it works is it's in like three pools. So the, to qualify for the top one, we need to be, as from an Australian perspective, in the top three. And then that'll mean that – so the top three from the pack four competition will play the top three from the Six Nations. So – in England, I think England, France, and Ireland, I want to say at the top of my head, but said with zero confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and then whoever r- runs fourth in the um, runs fourth in pack four will play in that second tier. So the first tier will play in New Zealand over three weeks. And yeah, so it's England, so England, France, Wales, and whatever top three teams come out of this pack four. And then WXV2 will be played in South Africa, and it's but yeah, whoever's the fourth team, I believe, then Scotland, Italy, and Samoa, and I think two other nations yet to be determined. So like, there's, it's already kind of that two is guaranteed, but it's just it's a case of where it ends up playing, which is why these next couple of games, you know, this one on Thursday at Redcliffe, the two coming up in Canada over the next couple of weeks are really important because it's qualifying for the next couple of years as well. So there's mm-hmm. plenty on the line. Yeah. I've well, never heard of this WXV thing. Is this like a basically a trial to see if they can do it for the men's side of things? I think it's more of like it's exactly kind of Nick's point of you know tr- while ensuring a lot of consistent game time for women's rugby outside of just your World Cups and everything else. Like this is supposed to be like a proper structure that is 
you know, trying to increase the competitiveness, actually give women the opportunity to constantly play, um, you know, calendar, which is similar to their male counterparts. Like it's, it's really, it's a really, really good sort of initiative to try and kind of just build, build the competitiveness, build the skills ahead of what's, you know, a world cup that's expanding to 16 teams in 25, potentially more in 29. So it's a, it's a really good initiative and that's, um, probably going to be run. It's running concurrently with the World Cup this year. So it'll be, um, I, I believe off the top of my head, it's um, I think the 21st, 28th of October and the 4th of November. Hmm. And then I think maybe WXV2 is basically those dates, but a week earlier. So yeah, want to keep an eye out for whilst World that, Cup's That coming. is correct. Good good attention to detail. I'm actually yeah. looking up on uh, Wikipedia. So interesting. You want some fun, interesting facts about this XV? So it's split into three divisions. In the third division, Kazakhstan's in there. It looks like Argentina won't take place, but it'll be either Colombia or Brazil as a South American representative in the third division as well. Isn't that Ooh. cool? And what you were saying as well about the Six Nations and Pacific Four is absolutely correct. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. One, another fascinating stat to throw at you. As I mentioned earlier that Australia hasn't beaten Canada and the US in a while. Let me rephrase that. They've never beaten Canada or the US. Oh. Never. So, uh, yeah, no, Nathan, I'm, I'm looking at the, I'm actually looking at all of the, the records of, uh, of games that the Wallaroos have played. Played the US five times, have never won it. Played Canada three times, have never won. I know that. Yeah, so there is actually a lot of history to potentially be made here. They've come close against both sides several times, but they have still to actually beat them. So, his time for history to be made. I reckon. I reckon they've got it in them. All right. So finally, move on to what we did care till this podcast about all season. That's Super Rugby. So on the weekend, the Crusaders won again. Fascinating. People going wild for Super Rugby because a big country town has won it. That's what you want. That's how you get tribalism. That's how you get people interested. A place that, I mean, honestly, um, who, what, what comes out of Christchurch? Lots of good rugby players. That's pretty. That's, lots of good, lots of good uh, rugby yeah, players yeah, and Middle Earth. And, and well, I mean, that's all in New Zealand, right? That's shared. Um, <laughs> and uh, you could, where's where's Waikato on a map? Who knows? Um, Look, just imagine if Auckland or the Reds won it and how much better that would be for the comp. But anyway, let's go on. Let's talk is, is about that why it's all that brought in Rob Penny? Is, that, is he just the equaliser? Yeah, maybe. That's funny. We'll see, we'll see how it feels. But, like, in all seriousness, just I feel, of course, the bloody Crusaders would you say, come you, Would you it. say Matt in three letters? Would you say I, Matt? Is that I would just say, really? Them again? That's my three. That's my three centers. L R Y. Nathan? Three I, um, That's good enough. Um uh <laughs> it, it, M E H Oh. Yeah. Like it's, it's I, we gotta pay credit to the Crusaders and the kind of system they've set up. Because to win was it like seven straight Super Rugby titles, like you don't do that with you know just random players you find off the street and and like a makeshift makeshift game plan. Like they've they should be modeled for what sort of every sort of team aspires to be, whether it's rugby or not. But I think we are at that stage. We need desperately another team to win it. 
I like, guess the point you, tr- you hype up whatever you want, but it's just so predictable, and you're just like, okay. And as you say, you know, Christchurch is one of the biggest cities in New Zealand as well. Like it's, you know, as I said, in terms of celebrate, you can't exactly have a ticker take parade that you know captures a nation as you would in say Auckland or even uh, Wellington. Well, could could you even have a ticker tape parade? <laughs> You could, but it's probably just down like one or two streets. That's about it. Yeah, <laughs> but, but oh not to God. scale. Not the scale we can have is pretty much literally everywhere else except, ironically, maybe Hamilton and Dunedin. So according to Wikipedia, four hundred thousand people, half a million people live in the area. I mean, like, who cares? You know, it'd be like if Newcastle kept winning NRL. Sure, it'd be great, but. Well, considering how nuts the Knights are, how popular the Knights are up here, they would cert- the, the local populace would certainly be happy, and that's probably the case in Christchurch. Of, it's just that they're just the that locals good. are happy, but of course the locals are happy. But you know, like if you think about cricket, right? The best games are between the the countries with all the history behind them and the bigger countries, right? India, Pakistan, India, England, India, Australia. But if it was between Shanker and New Zealand, how dead would cricket be? I mean, I'll even compare that. You can so compare populations. Auckland was something like one point seven, one point eight million people. It's just it's one of those ones. You need a and like hopefully you know with Richie going, with Sam Whitelock going, with um, the break dancer himself going. Hopefully, it just kind of like levels the fields and actually you know makes it a bit more. You know, people talk about draft causing parity. You know, with a bunch of Kiwis going overseas, a lot of the Australian sides keeping their players. Hopefully, it becomes just a bit more competitive. You can get, you know, Auckland's still keeping a strong squad as well. You can actually get some of those bigger towns. Because, yeah, as sad as it sounds, you do need that. You do need those big, you know, whenever Broncos are in a final, it always kind of adds that extra hype and emphasis to it. Mm. You know, Mm. AFL grand final with two Sydney teams or two non-Victorian teams always ends up being one of the sort of lowest in terms of ratings and attendance wise. So you just, it's again, may, may suck to hear, but it's just one of those things which sometimes sports sport needs the bigger, bigger markets to dominate. Yeah. Yeah. Even me, even I feel a bit like we're yeah, gone too hard, but we just want to say like Crusaders, yeah, they're freaks. Sorry, Nick. I mean, it's let's. I mean, let's first of all. I think for all of our Crusaders uh, listeners, the large pop, large percentage of them who are probably just cacking their asses off. Why listening do we to this even podcast. have to like? Do, no, do, well, pander to them. You want? Oh seven no, in a no, row. no, 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 no. I'm not going to pander to them. I'm just going to say, well, you know, full credit to you guys for what you've done. But I think no, if the competition, credit. If the competition though is to progress. Somebody else has got to win it. Really, like in its, the, there has been so much talk, and it's going to continue to happen um, around, uh, you know, the actual validity of Super Rugby Pacific if it's actually a viable product going forward. Cold hard reality is, we need someone like an Australian side or even a Drua to win it, um, pro- and uh, to for for the competition to actually start to be taken seriously. No, I'm not saying just hand it over to us on a plate, please, for the good of the competition, because, no, you've got to earn it. But uh, I think it's getting to the point where even other Kiwi sides can't beat this Crusaders side, and that is saying something. Just on that, um, or just another thing about the final, uh, Ben O'Keefe uh, said the New Zealand rugby had to put out a statement today defending him. 
I'm not really sure I was getting attacked because he didn't send what's his name off. But I know Nathan Devmore. Uh, he put he put out on his again. Yeah. If you want to have a look at just the kind of abuse that he copped, like it's from a lot of um, Chiefs fans about. There was I think one of the tries Crusaders scored. There was a forward pass in the build up. There was a whole bunch of kind of what they feel missed calls, but rarely is like that didn't decide the game. The Crusaders are just so much better in those clutch moments. And yeah, as you kind of alluded to there, Chiefs were very lucky not to have Anton Leonard Brown sent off. Like that's you know Sanzas now cited him. I think that's that's I think is, is an underrated thing that's sort of coming out of you know a final like this, and I just I, I think New Zealand way of play as well is you know they had Leonard Brown who could be their first choice twelve suspended I'm um, sent off for ten, most likely could, could be suspended. Their captain went for ten the last seven minutes of the game, like. They're in, I honestly reckon when I get to the Northern Hemisphere and go to that different style of referee where they're a lot more strict on high tackles and foul play, they're going to get a rude shock, I reckon. Like, they're going to cop yeah. one of those tackles. It's going to get a red card. The, you know, Kiwis are probably going to blow, blow up, but ultimately, that's how they're refereeing it across the world. And it could actually really throw, throw them a loop. So that's going to be, if you want, if I want to, I'm going to make an early World Cup prediction. I reckon it bites the carries in the arse in one of their games. But someone, oh, you know, they're so used to it just being someone's going to make a mistake that ends up one of their players ending up being sent off. Damn. All right. Um, hot take there. Um, hot take for sure. Yeah, I think, uh, but that's the second time Benna keeps done that, that, that yellow card, which everyone's kind of said it's clearly a red card because it but does so get that's checked. A, that wasn't what he was getting abused for. It was the, it was um just you know, yeah, Chiefs no, fans they mad could... they couldn't get a, couldn't get the job done. That was yeah. It. And there's I, no yeah. you shouldn't message a referee and you shouldn't DM someone to essentially go kill himself. Like that's a low yeah. human move to do. Like yeah, it's it's uh it's stupid. It's a dick move. It's stupid it's a ca- it's the move of a coward. Is what it is. It's the move of a coward. If you think that calling someone out on and thinking yeah you know say something like that that's uh, that's gonna do it do it like really it's it's an it's a game at the end of the day and refs are human you can disagree with the decision all you want but don't go and throw chairs at their family in, in an airport that's just stupid anyway moving on let's move on from horrific stuff let's change the topic uh if we could just return to super rugby fairness for just one quick second nathan thoughts oh. on a super rugby draft i hate the idea but what are your thoughts I agree. I don't like it. I just don't see how it works in practice. Like, I think there's a better way to do it, and that is not not necessarily a draft, but say if you were playing Super Rugby, you are eligible for Australia, New Zealand, whatever like country. Say you're uh, say you're you're Damien McKenzie. If you play for any Super Rugby club, where it's Moana, the Drua, an Australian club, you are still eligible for New Zealand. You do not lose that eligibility right. If you did it that way. And you just allowed people to, you know, often just if they're, you know, maybe behind people or, you know, looking for a fresh change. If you gave them that opportunity, that's just a natural draft. And then look at the Australian teams already. You know, Ben Donaldson and Nick Wider at the force. You know, Felipe Dunguna just signed with the Rebels. Like, we don't need a draft. Like, the Australian, in terms of Australian-wise, we're already pretty good at kind of sharing the love and the talent. You extend it out mm. to the Kiwis, it's only going to make it better. Yeah, I totally agree. Nick? Uh, quickly, what are your thoughts? I don't mind it so much. I think uh, 
while I do think that the points Nathan raises are actually very valid from a purely marketing perspective, um, I do see the value behind it. And I do think there is something to be gained, uh, you know, from going down some sort of model like that. I mean, a lot of, a lot of sports competitions do it. Um, a lot, a lot of those competitions, you know, a lot of those players get selected and pulled from a draft system and it has shown to have worked, um, in some of those other regards. And there isn't a rugby example that rugby hasn't kind of taken that, that step yet anywhere that I can think of. So I think that there is a, uh, an idea, a validity to it to, you know, suddenly uh, add an extra, give the competition an, that extra marketing kick that it needs. And in Australia, especially, it does need something like that. So. If we do it, we do it for the right reasons. That's what I. That's all I really particularly care about. Um, and I do see, I do, I do agree with Nathan's questions and, and points on that. But uh, I do see the marketing ploy behind it. And in addition, if the, if you do get a situation where you have some really great uh, players who can go over to Australian franchises and make the Australian teams get better, and you play with more of those, you know, some of those Kiwi players who might be able to bring perspectives and new insights to places like the Force or the Rebels who haven't had the chance to develop a winning culture yet, then you can gain a lot from something like that. So I'm more open to the idea. Um, so I don't like the idea uh, because I think it complicates things. Um, agree with Nathan. I think that's the easiest fix to a lot of things is letting you know uh, people play in Australia and still be eligible for the All Blacks. And I also think that... Um, it ruins the idea of like the clubs and that local identity that you can have a team of Queenslanders who are representing Queensland. Mm. I do, um, yeah, I think that's like I, I do agree. I think that there's there's validity to it. Mm. That thing of that, uh, what's it called when you when you're losing, so you get that first draft pick, that kind of idea as well. Mm. You don't, you're not a fan of it. Yeah, you, what, what's it called? Nathan? Tanking. Tanking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, if you look at the AFL on the weekend, uh, West Coast Eagles lost 200 to 30 or something against the Swans. Uh, yeah. So it's yeah. not even like a, a fix, you know, it's probably poorly run clubs. But if you could let players go around, I think that would help it. And even uh, talking about that, the Crusaders have been signing up all these kids from across New Zealand as well, apparently. Um, hmm. a side note. Look, yeah, I think yeah. from a marketing perspective, it makes sense. But I, I mean, you, your points make like you, you, you are right. There, is, there is concern and valid concern about it. So, interesting, interesting hmm. one to watch. Cool. Well, if there was a rugby podcast draft, we hope that you would pick us first, dear listener, uh, because I'm sure you would agree. This is at least a first round podcast, maybe second round, you know. We're going on draft. That's pretty good. The we're raw, going on draft and I'm gonna be proud of it. We're going full Nicole Jokic, getting drafted in, in the like commercial break, but end up just absolutely like catching people by surprise. That's our that's our memo. <laughs> Get, getting yeah, drafted while so... whilst the Taco Bell Taco Bell adds on. So this is kind of why I don't like drafts. Uh but anyway. As always, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, Quick reminder that the first rugby championship game is in a week. 1 a.m. official Australian rugby time, uh, Sunday, 9th of July. We might be before then. We'll probably be after it. Who knows? We're all busy people with busy lives, especially me. Anyway, thanks for listening. Bossy as ever, Dyson Sphere Hartman.
Yeah, I think that's a really silly question. You know, rugby's a game of 15 players on the, on the field. When we're attacking, we're attacking weak defenders. We're looking for weak defenders. Why would we run at the strongest defenders? So if Martin's there and, and sorry, what's your name? Nick, and Nick's there, we're not going to run to Martin, are we? <laughs>